Black House on the Corner podcast. It's June 6th, 2022. D-Day was a historic World War II invasion, but the events of June 6, 1944 encompassed much more than a key military victory. The legacy of D-Day resonates through history. It was the largest ever amphibious military invasion Allied forces faced rough weather and fierce German gunfire as they stormed Normandy's coast, known as Operation Overlord. Over 150,000 Americans stormed the beach and participated that day. That's today. My grandfather was a Marine in World War II. Uh, He was not in Europe. He was in the South Pacific. My grandmother was a nurse in the Navy. Uh, Their willingness to serve and sacrifice their lives uh, sets a great example not only for me, but for the world being them being a part of the greatest generation that is pretty special and I've had the question asked to me where do I get my sense of patriotism and I've thought about that and the answer is pretty simple I have my grandmother and my grandfather were in the military in World War II I have cousins who served in the Coast Guard and the Air Force my father served in the Air Force I have a brother-in-law in Louisiana that I haven't met that was, is a Marine. His daughter's in the Air Force. Uh, my wife has family members who have served in the military. I work with many, many veterans, some still in the reserves. That's where I get my sense of patriotism because I think it's in my blood. And I, I have a, you know, a few regrets in my life, and one of them is that I didn't join the military right after 9-11 happened. And I chose a different route, and fortunately, I think that route has led me to the place that I am now. I think I would be a different person if I would have served in the military, but I think it would have also taught me a lot of different things that I don't maybe don't know now or haven't experienced up to this point. Uh, You know, I've taken the example of all my family members who've served in the military, and I serve in a different way. I'm a police officer. The example that my grandmother and my grandfather set, and all of those who've taken that oath to defend our country, has allowed me to kind of continue along the same lines of service, but here in the United States and not abroad. Uh, I I haven't stormed a beachhead. I've I've never fast-roped out of a helicopter I've never been in combat in the sandbox. Um, never been through boot camp. I wish I had, but I have not done that. And I have the utmost respect for those who have served our country, and I appreciate all of you. Um, I had a nice, maybe a nice experience, you could call it. A couple of weeks ago, Jess and I were at lunch, and uh, this place has... You can bring in little challenge coins and you can get a discount 
for your food. If you bring the coin in, somebody else will buy the coin for you. And then you present the coin to the server and they'll give you a discount. And I had two coins. And we sat down on our table right next to a group of... Um, probably special forces guys with the army or national guard. I'm not quite sure what branch they were with, but there was about eight of them and they were sitting down having lunch. And I took one of the coins over to the group and I said, Hey, I want to give you this coin. It's, you know, an appreciation for what you do. And we, we appreciate your service and thank you. And I asked, I said, who's the lowest guy in the totem pole? Who's the most junior guy? And I'm sure everybody pointed to their, one of their more senior dudes, but um, I handed him the coin. I said, dude, you can either keep the coin or you can use it to get whatever discount they'll give you for your lunch and just show of appreciation. And he, he laughed and he took it and was grateful. And, you know, it, it was nice to be able to have a conversation with them. And we, we continued with our meal and they continued with theirs. And uh, some, one of the guys I, I can only assume was maybe their, their supervisor, their commander came over to me and he was like, Hey, are you, are you military? And I said, no, I, I'm not. And I said, I'm law enforcement. And he goes, Oh, we're all combat guys. And, and, uh, he goes, thank you for what you do. And he said, you're in combat every day. And I said, well, thanks. I appreciate it. And you guys have, have a good one and be safe. And he kind of said the same thing to me and they, they got up and left and went on their way and got me thinking that, um, with law enforcement, it's, it's, uh, it's a little different. Obviously we have, we have different jobs and, and I'm not going to compare the military to police work. I'm They're, they're not the same. Um, uh, they have a lot of similarities in, in, you know, we have guns and we use tactics and we have a chain of command and that kind of stuff, but they're totally different, uh, different workspaces. But it was interesting to hear someone who's, who has combat experience tell me, man, you're in combat every day because they get deployed maybe once or twice a year and they're not in combat all the time they just train and train and and keep up on what they're supposed to do if if in the event that something does happen right so um it was kind of nice to hear that it was kind of an eye-opener of for me you know the cumulative ptsd that can fall on a police officer uh, after a 20-year career uh, can take a toll on somebody right like and when i say cumulative ptsd i mean uh constantly subjected to violence and crisis and devastation and anger and always being on guard and always having to look over your shoulder and always having to be on high alert that, you know, you park your car to write a report and who knows who could walk up behind you. You always have to be on edge and, and all of that kind of stacking on itself and building on it can create a lot of issues for a human being the stuff that we see, the the nastiness that cops see, people shouldn't have to be subjected to that. That's not something, you know, there's some people who go their whole lives and don't see a dead body. And we see dead bodies every week. There's 
nobody should have to go through their life saying, well, I've been shot at. Many of us have been shot at. Um, you know, in my career, I've had, I've, you know, I've got my own issues because of some of the things that I've kind of been through. I've been kicked. I've been spit on. I've been punched. I've been threatened with death. You know, I've had to de-escalate situations with people armed with hammers and knives and scissors. And I've been in, situa in a situation where the bad guy was in a basement and cut the gas line to the house and started firing rounds at the gas line. And he was trying to blow the house up with me and seven other SWAT guys inside the house with him. You know, I've been shot at. I've been injured on the job. Um, all of those things have, you know, taken a toll. I've been on scenes where some of our guys have been involved in shootings and I, I see the heartbreak that, that happens when I walk up to them and I ask them if they're okay and they just give me a hug and they're just so concerned about everything that's going to happen from that point on. They're worried about their families. I've seen families um, start to hate this job because of what it does to the officer and what it does to their families. Um, and in the last few years we've had, we've had a kind of a rough go with you know, how we're treated and how we're perceived. Um, the pendulum I think is swinging for pro law enforcement. I think for bullshit political reasons, but I, I still feel like there are a lot of people, especially with, recent events in Texas that have a lack of faith in law enforcement. Um, and that takes a toll on you. You know, that's a, that's a psychological warfare that happens right there with having to deal with people not trusting us and people not understanding entirely what we do and why we do it. Uh, it's, it makes for, it makes for, Tough times. It makes it, it makes it difficult to put your uniform on, go to work, and expect that. Um, and that's that's some of the stuff that law enforcement it's going through right now. And um, but to kind of tie this all back to D Day, those men that got on those boats and stormed the beaches of Normandy. And I know a lot of them did survive, but every one of them, before they got to the beach and they're blasting through the bad weather and crashing through the waves to get to the beach, I know they're thinking, I'm about to die. And this is the end. But they still did it. They still, they still went. They still pushed through their fear and they they knew that extreme physical pain was about to happen. They knew that extreme loss was about to happen. But they knew why they were doing it. And they were willing to. That's why they're called the greatest generation of all time. And it's it's pretty awesome that my grandpa and grandma and so many others just like them 
since World War Two, before you know World War One, World War Two, up to the most recent operations that we've had in our military, that there are so many people who are willing to just go and do, knowing that they will most likely lose their lives. It's pretty, <clears throat> pretty humbling. Pretty humbling to be able to say that my family. My family has represented that. My family has always set the example of being able to step up and put themselves between the innocent and evil and be that barrier. Um, I've got an audio clip I'm going to play for you because I think it's awesome. And I was mentioning this the other day with when grandma was on the podcast that we have to be, you know, there's that police officer has to be so many different things. And this is a uh, Paul Harvey. I forgot his name that day, but his name is Paul Harvey. It's pretty awesome. Policeman. A policeman is a composite of what all men are, I guess, a mingling of saint and sinner, dust and deity. Called statistics, wave the fan over stinkers, underscore instances of dishonesty and brutality because they are news. What that really means is that they are exceptional. They are unusual. They are not commonplace. Buried under the froth is the fact. And the fact is that less than one half of one percent of policemen misfit that uniform. And that is a better average than you'd find among clergymen. What is a policeman? He of all men is at once the most needed and the most wanted. A strangely nameless creature who is sir to his face and pig or worse behind his back. He must be such a diplomat that he can settle differences between individuals so that each will think he won, but if a policeman is neat, he's conceited. If he's careless, he's a bum. If he's pleasant, he's a flirt. If he's not, he's a grouch. He must make instant decisions which would require months for a lawyer, but if he hurries, he's careless. If he's deliberate, he's lazy. He must be first to an accident, infallible with a diagnosis. He must be able to start breathing, stop bleeding, tie splints, and above all, be sure the victim goes home without a limp or expect to be sued. The police officer must know every gun, draw on the run, and hit where it doesn't hurt. He must be able to whip two men twice his size and half his age without damaging his uniform and without being brutal. If you hit him, he's a coward. If he hits you, he's a bully. A policeman must know everything and not tell. He must know where all of the sin is and not partake. The policeman from a single human hair must be able to describe the crime, the weapon, the criminal, and tell you where the criminal is hiding. But if he catches the criminal, he's lucky. If he doesn't, he's a dunce. If he gets promoted, he has a political pull. If he doesn't, he's a dullard. 
the policeman must chase bum leads to a dead end, stake out ten nights to tag one witness who saw it happen but refuses to remember, he runs files and writes reports until his eyes ache to build a case against some felon who will get dealed out by a shameless Seamus or an honorable who isn't honorable. The policeman must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. I like that because it talks a lot about all the different things that a police officer is expected to do and expected to be at any given moment. And you could have, you might have to be all of those things within a two hour period, depending on the different kind of calls you go on. Um, I I just really liked what Paul Harvey says. It's pretty awesome. Uh, I got one more. I'm going to listen. Some people say things better than I do. So I'm going to, I'm going to play one more because I think, uh, I think it's pretty cool. This next one. Um, Let's see if I can make this work. This is on a different platform. Uh, Let's see. Here we go. This man is a composite of what all men are, I guess, a mingling of saint and sinner, dust and deity. He of all men is at once the most needed and the most wanted, a strangely nameless creature who is sir to his face and pig or worse behind his back. All at once you lost your first name. You're a cop, a flatfoot, a bull, John Law, you're the fuzz, the heat, your poison, your trouble, your bad news. They call you everything, but never a policeman. A, a police department is no they're just humans. Right? They're imperfect. They need training. They need funding. They need support. Right now they need morale and they need people. Whatever your job is, imagine doing it with people throwing rocks at you, people spitting on you, people trying to kill you. And then think about what their job description is. Their job description, these people in uniform, is putting your life on the line every day for strangers. The policeman must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. He must be first to an accident, infallible with a diagnosis. He must be able to start breathing, stop bleeding, tie splints, and above all, be sure the victim goes home without a limp. Chasing psychopathic 15-year-olds down blind, dark alleys knowing they have a gun, but they don't yet have a conscience. There may even be ultimate sacrifice. Men may be killed for the cause, but that cause must be just, and that cause must, even in death, benefit those who may have to give that last full measure. And that that may sound impossible, actually, because how can anyone benefit from their own death? And the answer is actually quite simple. They do so to provide safety and security where their families live. I'm not talking about what makes you happy. It's a luxury to pursue what makes you happy. It's a moral obligation to pursue what you find meaningful. And that doesn't mean it's easy. It might require sacrifice. Being a policeman is an endless, glamorous, thankless job that's got to be done. I know it too. And I'm damn glad to be one of them. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. How can we love our country and not love our countrymen? And loving them, reach out a hand when they fall. Heal them when they're sick, so they will be equal in fact and not just in theory. 
What kind of person takes that job? I don't understand it. I've never understood it. I've worked with them. I've played ball with them. I've drunk beer with them. I've laughed with them. I've cried with them. I've celebrated with them. And I've suffered with them. But I have never, for a single moment, understood them. Pretty crazy. Pretty cool to hear uh, other people's opinions of police officers and what we do and why we do it and how people don't understand why we do it. And I, I can tell you right now, some days I don't understand why I do it. And there's a lot of people who will probably agree with me that are in the job today. If I, I don't understand why I do it. Some days I don't want to do it. Um, some days I'm sick of it. Some days I look at the people I work with and I'm like, damn, we do a crazy ass job for what? For people who don't care about us. We do it for, to get a good arrest on a bad guy. And then the prosecutors or the DA will kick the case out because they have a different agenda. Um, there's there's a lot of reasons why uh, police officers should just throw in the towel and be done with it because some days it just feels like it's a shit show. Um, but I think one of the one of the things that was said is that we do it for the safety of it's for the safety for the community where our families live. We do it to keep our neighbors and our friends and our family safe. We do it because if we won't do it, who will? We do it to keep order in our communities. We keep it so that we avoid the purge. Um, we do it because it's got to be done. It's the same thing with those men who stormed the beaches of Normandy they were told this has got to be done and you're the people we picked to do it who's willing and they all raised their hands and said we understand why so we'll go do it and I think that's a big part of motivation behind services if it was easy everybody would do it if everybody understood it we would have thousands of more cops thousands of more mem members in the military but it's not easy it's not glamorous um it's not liked by a lot of people but we do it because we know it's the right thing to do and we're built for it um we don't always do it right we are not always perfect we make mistakes. But for the most part, we own up to those mistakes. And we see things with level heads. And we keep working to be better. Um, I'm grateful for all of the examples that I have. All of the military members that I work with. Uh, former military members. 
current military members I'm so grateful for uh, my grandparents and everybody else with their examples that they've given me. Um, can't tell you how much of an honor it is to, to be a police officer, even though it's, it's a shitty job every other day. Anyway, these are some of the thoughts I had for the day. It's D-Day. It's kind of a humbling day. It's, it's a day when you think about, you know, how did they do that? And how is that possible that somebody's willing to do that? And, um, kind of reflect on what can, what can I do to be better today? And how do I live up to knowing that my grandpa did that? And I'd want him to be proud of me for what I'm doing. And, uh, it's a good day for reflection. So hopefully it rings true with some of you and that you, you like what we've talked about so far on the podcast. Um, it's been, it's been fun so far. We're getting a lot of good feedback. So keep, keep listening and keep giving us some good ideas on what to talk about. And if anybody, uh, feels like they want to come on here and chat with me and Jess or whoever, you just let me know and we'll get you on the podcast. Anyway, I didn't do the outro or the intro for the beginning. Cause it was like super serious trying to keep it all like stoic, but I'll give you the outro now. Black House on the Corner podcast. Peace out.